After a year without sports on our campus due to COVID, our fall sports season is underway, and it feels great to see our student-athletes competing again. Today on our podcast, we're talking women's soccer with our head coach and one of his top players. Well, welcome to Chatting About College, a podcast originating from Onondaga Community College in Syracuse, New York. My name is Roger Marabito. We record our conversation in the studios of our Broadcast Media Communications degree program. It's located in the Whitney Applied Technology Center on our campus. And we're joined on our podcast today by women's soccer head coach Mike Drake and one of his awesome players, Clara Neville. Both of you, welcome. Thanks for having us. Great to have you both here. What's it like for you? I'll start with you, Coach. What's it like to be back this year after not playing last year? Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a breath of fresh air. Um, just having the kids around and and being involved with them, and you know, you kind of missed being involved in so many people's lives, and and it's nice to have that back. Um, season hasn't started off the way we've wanted it to, but we had a big improvement yesterday with a, a away uh, road trip win, and hopefully we can keep building on that. Clara, how about for you? What did it feel like not playing last year? It was definitely strange, um, and soccer wasn't always a part of my college plan um, until I came here, and that was kind of one of the bonuses of coming to OCC as a part of my college career. And I met with Coach last year, hoping that we'd be able to have a season. So it was disappointing when we weren't really able to do anything in the fall. And then we kind of hoped we would do something in the spring, but then we weren't able to do that. So it was really exciting to know that like I was going to be back in a team setting and have those girls I can rely on and have more relationships on campus. So Coach Drake, you mentioned a nice win yesterday. We're recording this on Friday, September 17. You had a long trip yesterday to Adirondack, got your first win. How good did it feel to get that first win? Yeah, I mean, it it was very, it was a sigh of relief to say the least. And uh, of course it had to come in the most dramatic fashion. It didn't come easy. <laughs> it was not easy. What happened? So uh, Clara scored in the first 56 seconds of the of the match wow uh, <laughs> we had a great ball outside we've been working on getting to the end line and and getting the defenders to turn and face back towards their own goal and then you know picking out passes across the face of goal uh and clara made a great near post run and natalia uh one of our wing uh forwards she served a great ball in clara got a little touch on the ball and it scooted past the keeper from probably three yards away, Claire, I'd say. Yeah, it was pretty close. Yeah. So uh, it was, and it was a great feeling, a great start. You know, we talk about the first five minutes, how essential they are. And then, um, and then the last five minutes. So we went up one nil and then again, Clara got us on the score sheet again, probably 15 minutes into the second half or into the first half. Okay. And uh, so we're up two zero, uh, gave away an unfortunate penalty um, down in the box, our goalkeeper came out. I thought she won the ball cleanly, but the referee saw it differently. Uh, they scored on their penalty to make it 2-1. And we went probably close to an hour at 2-1. And just a couple series of fortunate, uh, unfortunate events. Um, we had a couple injuries, so we went down to 10 people. And then a couple shots that just didn't fall our way that ended up in the back of the net for Adirondack. We went down 3-2 with about 10 minutes left. Wow. And we scored with a minute, 15 seconds left to tie the game up. Our captain, Claire McNitt, put one in the back of the net off a rebound, which was great. And then uh, three minutes in the overtime, Natalia, who who had the two assists to Clara early on in the first half, uh, 
got on the score sheet for us and buried the golden goal and that was it so uh in overtime it was it was quite dramatic yeah so the the, the bus ride home must have been fun it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of singing. And the boys got a great result as well. They won 5-0. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of different scorers, a lot of different assists um, for them as well, which was a great result. And so there was uh, probably about three quarters of the ride home was celebratory singing and dancing. And the coaches were definitely entertained for the first three hours of the ride home. That's awesome. Sounds like a blast. As a coach at a community college, you have a lot of roster turnover every year. But when you don't play for a year and then you come back and it's almost like you're trying to start all over again. How long does it take to get everyone to feel comfortable playing together and working together and that kind of thing? Well, you know, I wouldn't say that um, it took very long at all for our group to feel comfortable with each other. Oh, that's great. Um, We try to do a lot of things that get kids out of their comfort zone during training, Mm -hmm. Um, just like fun activities where they have to wrestle or, you know, they have to do something that puts them in an uncomfortable position. Um, and then, you know, our sophomores like Clara and, and Claire just kind of lead the way with their big personalities and, and kind of pull the personalities out of kids. So it's great to have someone like her to to help that team chemistry along. So Clara, you came here from Nottingham high school. Mm-hmm. You're in the photography degree program yep. and you had the chance recently to do something pretty cool, shooting pictures at some concerts out at the uh, amphitheater. Tell us mm-hmm. a little about that. Yeah, so I, my senior year of high school, had an amazing photography teacher um, and named Brian English, and he had a connection with the Syracuse St. Joseph's Amphitheater, um, knowing that in the future I want to work in the music industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he found a way to get me into one of their shows to start working in the music industry and build that portfolio. Um, but then pandemic so that was supposed to happen summer of 2020, and it didn't. And I knew that that was still something that I wanted to do. Um, and I needed to have images behind my back to kind of show people, like, I can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and his connection was let go during the pandemic, so we lost that. So I just kind of looked on their website and sent an email to the management company. Nice. <laughs> um, and found out about their house photography program. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to attend the – Lady A show and the Pitbull concert, and I photographed both of those and their opening acts, which was very cool. And you were in different positions for those. Tell us how different the pictures were based Mm -hmm. on where you were. Yeah, so Lady A was my first ever concert experience photographing that, Um, and we were up at the soundboard, which is about like halfway through the internal stadium. It was definitely a trickier time because I was still getting used to what I was doing, and I'd never been in that setting with that many people before. Um, And they had four opening acts, which was (laughs) quite the long time for a concert. But then for the Pitbull show, which opened with Iggy Azalea, we were in the barricade. So that one I made sure I brought earplugs to because I didn't want to (laughs) lose any of my hearing. Um, And it was very cool to kind of have that different perspective because it makes things a lot more interesting when you can get different angles opposed to being farther back in the stadium where everything is kind of flat because you can't really move around too much. Mm -hmm. So it was two very different experiences, both in the music category and in where we were shooting. So when you say in the barricade, you're right in front of the stage, correct? Right with the security guards, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> So there were a bunch of big burly men making sure that we didn't make any wrong moves or yeah. get in people's way. Yeah. And you're going to complete your degree this December? Yep. Any idea what you want to do after OCC? So I've recently submitted applications to transfer into the film and cinema program 
or photo and cinema program at Ithaca College. Um, and I submitted an application to Leslie University. Awesome. What's soccer like for you when you're when you're coaching youth and how big do you see it getting? Uh, it's my life. Um, when I was a kid, uh, I didn't know any better. Um, me and my single mom. Um, so I wanted to play for the Mexican national team when I was a kid, Ah. no Mexican heritage. So that doesn't work out. I didn't realize that that was actually a thing until I got a little bit older. Um, You just thought you could play for the Mexican national team. Yep. Yep. I just thought, I, I just thought I could. So, um, so it was definitely a learning curve through that. And, um, I played a lot of soccer, uh, nonstop. I was a three-sport athlete for most of my career in high school, but uh, we had a barn out back, and I would just go bang the ball off the off the barn wall nonstop, you know, all day, every day. Um, and then I played in college, and I wouldn't have gone to college if I didn't play. Mm-hmm. Um, and right after school, it was it was strange. I got home and I got roped into working on my uncle's farm, and and I built a barn, and I was like, nope, I don't want to do this. My, you know, I don't want to build things and. Just by chance, I ran into my old club soccer coach who hired me almost full-time at Ultimate Goal in Marcellus, and I started coaching when I was 21, and it just took over, and I kind of refound my passion. I was a little burnt out after college, and you know, I moved on, and I recently accepted a position here at OCC full-time um, because the hours allow me to focus more on, on our varsity team here at the college. And now I'm also coaching two club-level teams, a, a 2007 girls group and a 2005 girls group Wow! Uh, for the new Syracuse Rush program, which mm-hmm. we're super excited about. And then uh, just kind of also starting up a new LLC to do small camps and clinics and, and work with local high schools and youth and, and kids all over the place. So um, for me, it's live, breathe, eat, dream soccer. And uh, I try to push my passion on everybody so that, you know, it helps build the, the foundation here in America. And and then, you know, obviously the top level players that are going overseas and playing and, and allowing the men's national team to be more successful is is also spreading, you know, the joys and loves of soccer throughout throughout our country, which I which I think is great. Claire, how about for you? Obviously, you play <laughs> soccer, but do you love watching soccer on TV or how, how big a part of your life is it when you're not playing? I was raised in a soccer household. Mm. Um, so I have two older siblings and they both played in high school and college and we were all kind of given a ball at our feet around five or however old you can stand up. Um, and I always grew up every morning that Premier League was on, my dad and my brother would be watching it. And it was kind of like when I was a kid, I was like, can we please change the channel? I want to watch cartoons. <laughs> I want to watch anything else. It's always soccer for hours. But now, like, as I've gotten more into it, I can sit down and enjoy and appreciate, like, the level of the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't necessarily have a premier league team that i support but like i'm always whenever the women's national team is playing i'm watching that like those women are so impressive and so talented um and i think they deserve more support (laughs) than they get even though they're finally getting a little bit more recognition and in my later high school career my parents along with other soccer parents decided we've watched the kids play too much it's our turn to play again so they started an indoor league with and they were playing like fifty year olds probably playing with like thirty year olds so really? they didn't always do too hot <laughs> but it's very fun to watch and then once me and my friends whose parents it was got old enough we play with them too so soccer is also not maybe not as much as Mike but <laughs> still definitely a big part of my life and my family. Do you have a favorite player you enjoy watching? Rapino is. Mm-hmm. 
killer. And I also, like, me and my sister grew up, like, idolizing Alex Morgan. Like, she's just mm, so okay. cool. And we actually got to go um, when the Women's World Cup was in Canada. We went to a game and watched them win, as they do. So pretty much any of those women is, <laughs> is yeah. just my favorite. <laughs> what was that like being at a World Cup game? It was really cool. And it was – we – I don't remember – how old I was, but mm -hmm. we walked to the stadium from our hotel and that was kind of like what other people were doing. So to have that fan walk with like some people dressed up like the founding fathers and like yeah. very much like the patriotism was strong. And that was kind of like a really cool experience to be in a stadium in Canada, but with a bunch of other people who were super strong backing the women's national team um, and watching them win is always Really cool. Well, Clara Neville and head coach Mike Drake, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us and chatting about college. Have a, a great rest of the season and uh, good luck to you the rest of the way. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. And we'd also like to say thank you to our Broadcast Media Communications degree program for use of their gorgeous studios here on campus. And thanks to you as well for listening. I'm Roger Marabito, hoping you've enjoyed chatting about college. Please subscribe, download, and rate and review us wherever you download fine podcasts from.